Welcome to the Game Master's Journal. I'm Che Webster, and these are my audio notes, recorded here and there between my gaming sessions. Assembled into a rough edit, these notes form a raw and rough journal, but it's not everyone's cup of tea. You have been warned. Hello, rescuers. Did you know that the sleep deprivation thing? That's a topic that ain't going away anytime soon. I've had a bunch of new call-ins over the last couple of weeks. I didn't share them last weekend because I was focused on the Owlbear and Wizard staff convention and wanted to make sure that was covered, you know, separate from our ongoing discussion. But you know what? It will not go away as an issue, and I do have some call-ins. So before we dive into my journal, let's have a listen to the call-ins. Over to you guys. Hey, Che, Jason here. Just listened to your last jam journal. Enjoyed it. Um, I, I will relent. I, I'll go with you on the sleep thing. Um, yeah, I was never arguing that not getting eight hours sleep didn't affect you. I guess my argument was in the modern world, most people don't get eight hours sleep. So the standard is sleep deprivation, not the exception. But... Hey, I'm not too big to say I'm wrong. So, enjoyed your episode. I'm looking forward to hearing how the convention goes next weekend. So, that'll be fun. And I will talk to you later. Take it easy. Bye. Hey, up, Shay. Shandy Andy here. Had a little experiment on sleep deprivation. Uh, more by chance than design. But uh, I was playing in uh, Larry's Delving Deeper game last Friday morning. It's 12 o'clock midnight to half three in the morning for me. So I ended up getting about four hours sleep. And then having, uh, I was on holiday the next day. But it was interesting that I was uh, driving my car. No accidents to report. So managed to uh, negotiate that fine. So hopefully any cart riding or horse riding that I do... After a bad night's sleep in one of your games, I won't get too many minuses on. And then, oh, we're about to Jackson. And then arriving at the campsite, uh, all intact, I managed to make my uh, role in picking the most excellent place to pitch me tent, my trailer tent. So, uh, again, I don't think that uh, ranger-like skills probably need too many minuses with not much night's sleep. So pass that one as well. Uh, and to be honest, I didn't really notice much on that uh, Friday or the following day. But it was interesting that it backs up the point I made. After 48 hours, on the Saturday night, went to bed, sleep, 10 o'clock at night. I woke up on Sunday morning at a half past 11. So that was over 12 hours sleep. And I think that... This just goes to prove that I think it affects different people differently. I seem to be fine, able to cope with short periods of sleep. Maybe it is, and I know it's this kid thing again, maybe it's just because I've been doing it for five or six years. But certainly for me, it's that 48 hours later when it hits me. So maybe what it is what we need is some sort of random table for how it affects you, sleep deprivation. And you know what? I know just the man for the job to generate one of these. What do you think? 
Hey, Jay, this is Aaron Barclay calling from Virginia in the United States. I live next to the Appalachian Mountains where I backpack regularly, hiking several miles each day, an activity that is perhaps similar to wilderness travel in a fantasy setting minus the encounters with horrifying monsters. Um, I may be late to the conversation on sleep deprivation, or maybe the conversation's over, but I do know when I'm on the trail and I don't get a good night's sleep, things are definitely much more difficult the next day. The mountains are harder to climb. I'll still make it to camp, but it will take me a lot longer. So I'm convinced that uh, a penalty for sleep deprivation during wilderness travel would be a very reasonable thing. And I also must mention that the uh, colors that express that sleep deprivation would not affect the characters negatively were themselves sleep-deprived people and could have been expressing that opinion at a negative one penalty. Well, thanks for all you do. See ya. First of all, a big thank you to our callers, Jason Connolly and Shandy Andy and Aaron Barkley. Thank you guys for calling in. Great to hear from you and great to hear your views. Now, this whole thing kicked off when I started talking about applying a minus one penalty the day after a character didn't get a good night's sleep, around about eight hours of sleep, in my Castles and Crusades game, which we're running on Rollgate right now. Now, I'm going to be really clear about you. This is probably the last time I'll ever be playing a game other than GURPS, well, at least for the foreseeable future. And I rather like the way in which GURPS handles lost sleep. So I'm just going to read you a couple of bits from... GURPS campaigns because I think this handles things very sensibly. Missed sleep. The average human can function for a 16-hour day. He must then rest for an 8-hour sleep period. The less sleep advantage shortens his sleep period, thereby increasing useful day length and extra sleep and sleepy, those do the opposite. Getting less sleep than your sleep period costs fatigue points that you can only recover by sleeping. Interruptions, noise and disadvantages such as chronic pain, insomniac, light sleeper and nightmares can reduce the quality of your sleep. In game terms, your sleep counts as fewer hours or none at all. Those who have the doesn't sleep advantage can ignore this entire section. Staying up late. If you've been awake for more than your normal day, typically 16 hours, you start to get tired. You lose one fatigue point if you fail to go to sleep and one fatigue point per quarter day, usually four hours, that you stay awake after that. If you've lost half or more of your FP to lack of sleep, you must make a will roll every two hours you spend inactive, like for example standing watch. On a failure, you fall asleep, sleeping until you are awakened or get a full night's sleep. On a success, you have minus two to dex, IQ and self-control rolls. Those with the slow rise at disadvantage get an extra minus one. If you're down to less than one third of your FP due to lack of sleep, roll as above once per 30 minutes of inaction or two hours of action. This can be very dangerous. If you sleep for less than your full sleep period, you'll still be tired when you wake up. Subtract twice the hours of missed sleep from your day to determine how long you can stay awake. For example, if your sleep period is eight hours and you sleep only six, then you miss two hours of sleep. You will suffer the effects of staying up late only after 12 hours, your usual 16-hour day, minus 4 hours, twice your hours of missed sleep. I think this handles the whole thing quite sensibly. And personally, that's the way I'm going to be running my games. So, 
I don't know. Is that the end of this? Probably not. I don't really mind either way. But that's how I'm handling things in games. And you know what? I didn't have to make that rule up. It's in GURPS. Hey, Trey, Jason here. Excellent coverage of the con. I really enjoyed listening to that. Thank you for throwing that up. I do wonder, since you're wanting to concentrate on GURPS, why you didn't make the extra step and look at converting Star Trek Adventures over to GURPS as well. Anyhow, the other thing I wanted to mention real quickly was, it's interesting, you know, you have the fighting pit is how you're teaching the game. When I started learning Savage Worlds, seriously, what I did was on Roll20 set up what I call Jason's Thunderdome and just had basically a fighting pit with weapons around you know, like a Thunderdome kind of thing, a cage, the weapons all around and put, so people could drop characters in and use that to learn the Savage Worlds combat system and get used to all the special moves. So, great minds think alike. Talk to you later. Bye. Sunday morning, the Sunday after Owlbear and Wizard staff, kind of tired, got about six hours sleep, slightly sleep deprived. But actually cool, got up early, about 5.30, managed to slap together uh, the GM's journal for last weekend, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to release that early. Basically had a really good time yesterday. Good games, really good games, and good time, and people around the table are just fantastic. It's really fun to do that. And I think for me, being a player is obviously something I rarely do these days, or don't do it, you know, anywhere near as much as I should and so going to conventions for me is really really important I feel like if I didn't go to these I probably wouldn't be a player Albert's got a really nice kind of feel to it I don't know how many people were there perhaps 60 to 80 something like that there was games all over the place and it was fab- fabulous um, what really stood out to me though was how just accepting and comfortable really uh people seem to be once we got gaming and got going and always strikes me with the hobby how incredibly welcoming generally speaking people are at these kinds of events i'm a real introvert and i find it very very difficult it was made a lot easier game with andy who's like me a bit of a quieter soul and uh it yeah it's good when you sit down and you can kind of just feel part of something very quickly couple of thoughts in addition, really. I had a really uh, nice sequence of conversations with Dave Aldridge. Dave has uh, been in touch just before the event, actually, inviting me to go to Palladium's Atlantis. We discussed how we didn't really want to play that with the Palladium role-playing game riffs, but we did really love, both of us really enjoyed the setting, and specifically Atlantis is a kind of, I think as Dave put it, really, a kind of separate mini-setting in all of its own, really. And I had caught myself a copy of that book a couple of weeks ago. So Dave was really pushing me to read it. And, you know, we kind of agreed in principle that we would hop online, perhaps into Discord and just do an audio only game. Uh, The idea is perhaps to grab some really simple rules. Uh, We even toyed with the idea of using Rayotis' adaptation of the Mythic GM emulator to a 3D6 system, maybe grabbing that as well and running it GMless. So... That's a really exciting little idea bubbling around. That, of course, led me on to thinking more about Rifts. I love the game, and I, I've got myself the Savage World Adventure Edition is on its way. And I uh, 
know that I've also backed the new revised version of the Rift, Savage Worlds Rift stuff, uh, which I've just today got access to early playtest documents for. And again, I'm really excited to have a go in it. It made me feel like listening to Dave uh, talking about his Kung Fu Cops game uh, using the new Adventure Edition. I really do want to play Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. The easiest way for me to do that is to hop onto Fantasy Grounds. The Savage Worlds Adventure Edition modules are available, so there's a heck of a lot of material already pre in there. And I feel like that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to hop on and perhaps run some short scenarios in that world, in that setting. So if anybody's listening to this and thinking, you know, you'd like to give Savage Worlds a go, or you'd like to give the Rifts setting a go, I'd love to hear from you. Of course, I have no idea when, and I have no idea uh, how I'll pull this together, but that is something I really feel I'd like to do. What else is going on in my mind? Next Friday is the first session for our forthgoing Adventures in Palantir game powered by GURPS, and I have quite a bit of things or stuff that really needs doing, I suppose, for that. Talking to Andy, and I kind of feel like I agree with him on this. Andy was sort of feeling, well, maybe we should be able to try our characters together in something that is a sort of test drive um, of the game and the rules. So I'm thinking next Friday it might be um, opportune to try out a couple of simple encounters or something just to sort of give the guys a feel before we dive wholeheartedly into the campaign. That being said, it's yet another session that I kind of let go before we actually start, and I'm a bit torn about it. So I guess I'll just ask the guys on Friday. I'm ready enough to start play. Um, and there's, I think in some ways, having a game and then, you know, getting it, getting a good session in and you get the energy from that session. And you say it kind of helps you drive you forward into sort of prepping more and moving forward. So I'm feeling like that will, that will be the thing to, to move me on. I'm tired today, and um, so I, I don't know how much I'll do or what I'll, what I'll do, but uh, at least I wanted to just sort of note these thoughts down for myself as much as anything. And, um, yeah, looking forward, really, I think now, to diving into some serious gaming, some really good uh, quality session in gaming with some really good guys that I, I know here, and hopefully sharing some of my uh, learning from that with you guys. Come on. Hi guys, it's Monday evening and I'm home from work. I've been thinking a lot about two things really. First of all is next Saturday's episode, which by the time you hear this will have aired. But along with that, what I'm doing with the school club and what I'm doing with the school dungeon. And so today, I pretty much on the spur today, I've, I've come up with a new promotional poster. I think I said before, I'm doing a sort of drip, drip marketing campaign. And I've named the dungeon, the Dungeons of Thal. Uh, T-H-A-A-R-L, Thal. Um, and I have no idea beyond the name exactly what's going on there. But I believe that I am going to take a stab, really, at producing what will ultimately, hopefully, grow into a mega dungeon because I've been wanting to build one for a long while and it's time to sort of get stuck into that. But what I also want to do is I want to build this with some strong procedural features. So I'm going to probably use a random dungeon generation table or series of tables from 
AN resource. Off the top of my head, I'm torn between using the ones that are in Dungeons Dragons 1st Edition or using the ones that are in Engineering Dungeons by Troll Lord Games for the Castles and Crusades system. There are plenty of other options I could use, but I'm kind of thinking I'd like that particular approach. And I've tried both of them out once. I honestly kind of got more out of the D&D 1E one, but the only thing that troubles me is the inclusion of, essentially, inclusion of diagonals. So, yeah, I'm going to have a go at building a dungeon and uh, populating it a bit more procedurally, I guess, and then obviously running the guys through that. First few weeks, I've got a couple of weeks before I really have to have a dungeon because we're going to be doing a bit of pit fighting to learn the rules, assuming anybody comes. So far, zero sign-ups. Um, but hey, you know, we'll see how that goes. So, just random ideas, a few thoughts, just going to throw them out there as ever into the journal. Hello, rescuers. It's Wednesday night. It's a complete mare of a week for me. I have to say that I am exhausted. I am feeling very stressed, very tired, and I'm really struggling. But I am actually quite hopeful and upbeat. Let me tell you about last night. So last night at Games Club, we kicked off the Dungeons of Thar with some pit fighting. I basically had four players show up. Only three of them stayed through the evening. One guy had to leave early for various personal reasons. But three guys, well, two girls and a guy, rolled up characters using my random GURP stuff, which is adapted from the first edition. And as it turns out, I, who knew? The third edition of GURPS as well also retained this random character generation approach. It's only been dropped in fourth edition. But anyway, we rolled up some characters. Now, what was amazing was that the guys kind of just took to it, happily to roll, you know, randomly. And, oh my goodness, the difference between them. So, the lad, his character, when we totaled it all up, it was about a 178-point character. And the two girls, uh, one of them is at about minus 79 points, and one of them is about minus 170 points. So, we have a kind of complete extremes the lad got some pretty lucky dice rolls with his stats, key stats, and a bunch of cool skills and did quite well on the rolls. Uh, one of the girls got terrible stats. I mean, she didn't roll above an 8. So basically, the minimums, she got a lot of 7 and 8s because the minimum is 7. And But a bunch of cool skills. And then the girl who got kind of stuff in the middle, the 70, minus 79-ish points, um rolled you know a balance of things but ultimately the stats were a drag and her didn't get many skills so didn't pump that up it was interesting we then proceeded to have two games two pit fights with those three characters so it was three characters versus some spiders i basically bunged in some big spiders uh, i decided to start with one for each hero so it was three big spiders um, the whole fight took about maybe 15 minutes to resolve. Uh, we're talking, I think, tops of about four seconds of actual combat time. <laughs> you know how it goes with combat. Uh, four rounds for those who you know, prefer to think in those terms. And then we had a, um, the one of the lads had to go. Um, and so 
there was just the two girls and I made them fight, kind of have a fight against each other, which was interesting because we had a, a massive points difference, about a hundred point difference between them. And they kind of fought for a round or two. And then the, uh, the girl with a weaker character decided to yield because she realized that actually having fought and sort of had a bit of first blood, she would yield. And because she was the weaker character, she would gain more experience just for having the fight and they had a good time and that took us right up to nearly the hour we pointed up the pointed up the character values sort of with the last 10 minutes or so and then off we went and they've got the choice next time they can go into the dungeons of thal or they can have some more some more lamp pit fighting to kind of get ready so that went really really well i was uh, really pleased with that they seemed engaged and excited uh, i actually said to the so then the student who had like the weakest character, like, you know, you sure you're okay? And she's like, yeah, I absolutely want to see what I can do with this. I want to see how far I can take it. This character is really intriguing, weak and, you know, very low stats across the board. But all the skills are in thievery, um, sort of the combination of roles and then choosing with each role one of three skills. She very much shaped this kind of thievery expertise and because i said they were all slaves and they were forced to fight and they were trying to find a way to buy their freedom that's the kind of background um she decided that she, maybe she was some kind of petty criminal who got caught and obviously thrown into the pits and fighting with a quarter staff because it was you know a reasonable weapon to use with her skills ditch the armor to try and be as fast as possible on her feet and yeah really characterful actually really interesting kind of uh character the uh, girl who's got a middling character, the middle, the low value middling character, is sort of leaned at Link as she always does, and um, is playing a sort of traditional, more stand up y type fighter, I guess, trying to broadsword and shield. Very good balance of, she's managed to build quite a nice balance using what she's got to sort of the armor, the shield, the sword. She's, yeah, got a reasonable kind of series of selections that actually come out well. And then there's a lad who's rolled well and got all of the advantages. Um, he's trying to fight with two broadswords, which is interesting. Um, and again, you know, he's, he's really a strong character. And obviously, 170-odd points worth of character seriously has an edge over them anyway. But of course, if they work together, they sort of uh, see over each other's um, weaknesses. So it leads to an interesting thing because in GURPS we would normally say we're going to take a points value and we're going to make sure each character has that value and they all have, they come to the game in that way. By rolling up randomly, we have massively disparate points values and they've got to sort of make a team out of that. And that's an interesting challenge in itself. And it's kind of like embracing imbalance is generating a really interesting emergent story. I'm hoping they will continue to come and continue to play and it's kind of energized me to want to sit down and do the first part of the dungeon, you know, and, and be ready to play with them um, next Tuesday. So we'll see how it goes. So, yeah, that's the main thing I wanted to talk about. The big positive I want to talk about, if you like. Um, this week has been difficult. I've This will be the first evening I've had any time at home uh, to really rest and relax without there being either work or other personal issues kind of there. And... It's Wednesday night. I'm supposed to have a podcast out tonight for Saturday and it won't be done. I just absolutely don't have the energy. I'm hoping that tomorrow I'll find the energy. Um, but I guess by the time you hear this, you, I don't know whether that'll be released or not. Put it this way. That's what I intend. So, 
I'm going to stop driveling. I'm going to go and have something to eat and drink. Game on. Do you ever have those situations where something that someone does in a day, something that somebody says, the way they say it, perhaps it's aggression, perhaps it's, I don't know, the way in which they try and push for what they want. Maybe it's the way in which they judge you. Maybe it's the way they even just sometimes are around you. Do you ever get that thing where when those things happen, they linger, they affect you in a way that lingers? Because where I am this morning, had a really tough interaction yesterday and the person's aggression has really unsettled me. And I'm kind of able to shrug it off a little bit, but it's back this morning and I'm finding it hard. And I, I wondered if just saying so would leach the poison. It's Friday morning and I am absolutely gutted. I have a really bad cold, uh, kind of new term lurgy, I guess, from school. And I'm off work. And I just had to send cancellation for tonight's game. It's just so gutting, it really is. It so gets me down. There's not much to be done about it, and I know that. Oh, well, man, it's just... Looking forward to this really big time. Looking forward to gaming with the guys. Um, but yeah, not to be. Oh, so tough. <laughs> oh, I'll batter me. Right, it's Saturday morning, and um, the cold is still raging within me. And I know this is going to, like, obviously feel like a downer because. Well, I feel down, but I feel down, and I also feel vaguely angry with myself, which is kind of stupid and, and silly, because one can't help becoming ill in some ways. I spent yesterday pretty much uh, in bed, convalescing most of the day, um, felt crap, I'm going to beat around the bush, um, and this morning, um, I actually managed to get a good night's sleep last night took um, a bit of night nurse, which for those who don't know is a um, sort of anti-cold stuff which doesn't have any caffeine, so it tends to also knock you out, which is kind of extreme, but there we go. And I woke this morning feeling pretty sorry for myself, but I, I'll be honest, I've, I've also, I'm pretty determined to not lose my weekend to illness, and um, having missed the game last night, I'm feeling very disappointed with myself. There is no way on earth I could have sat in that room and run a game. I, I was in bed at 7 o'clock and I was asleep by 8pm. And it was an effort to actually stay awake in that hour between 7 and 8. That's how rough I felt. But hey, here we are. And when I get into these spaces of being low, I, I tend to sort of whiz around in circles in my mind. And it's not very helpful usually. So what I did this morning is I've sat down and I grabbed open Evernote and I've just made a list. I wrote here that there are so many cool worlds that I want to explore, you know, gaming-wise. So many places that I would like to visit. And of course, using GURPS, these are probably more possible than before because I've stopped 
trying to learn new rules for every single time I want to change setting or world, as I prefer to say. Having this kind of recent understanding, um, coming to this recent understanding rather, of the triangle, you know, with its rules and structure and and world as kind of three axes um i have i think started to think a lot more about the worlds and i made a list so i'm going to read this list out and uh i kind of don't know why i'm doing this particularly i just wanted to put it out there into the universe i guess i think there are some themes that are kind of obvious when you start looking at my list of the things that um, excite and interest me. But anyway, so over the last week I was reading the Illuminati book. Um, so anything to do with the Illuminati as a, as a concept and as an idea has always been interesting to me. They're hidden masters of the world. I think is a part of me that actually believes that they're real. <laughs> anyway, underneath that on the list is Starfleet or Star Trek turned gar- dark. What I mean is uh, Star Trek, I was playing last weekend and had the fabulous call in from from um, Jason which you know, triggered the, the thought of yeah why not play Star Trek with GURPS and of course that kind of exists, there's the Starfleet universe stuff and I actually in many ways really do like and in some ways prefer the Starfleet universe, it's much more consistent. So that's a, a real thought because I own the books for that and they're all GURPS compatible, 4th edition compatible, so that's awesome I got Conspiracy X I've been a fan of that particular setting since it was first released and I have everything for Conspiracy X on a sort of CD somewhere um, from um, FFG and then on top of that you've got um, the fact that there's a Conspiracy X GURPS book which again I've managed to get a copy of and then we'll get into some of the other stuff that's bubbling around my head. So Ice Age has been bugging me for a long while. The whole idea of doing a kind of, yeah, Ice Age primitives campaign. Um, now this kind of, for me, side, sidles in alongside um, the writings and ideas of um, one or two fringe, shall we say, pseudoscientists. Um Dan Gooch being probably the most um, well-known. Stan Gooch's theories about Neanderthals always fascinated me. The idea that there was this kind of global world spanning and magically um, inspired, I suppose, early culture that we wiped out uh, the Neanderthals as a kind of, not as this primitive cave people who could barely grunt, but instead of a kind of highly sophisticated culture who eventually were kind of outbred. The idea is that essentially we are, as humans now, we are hybrids of Neanderthal. And I find it fascinating whenever anything kind of points in that direction in the scientific community. So this kind of magical Ice Age, Neanderthal culture thing really uh, interests me. And I'm just making a note because it's just sort of sprung to mind. Yeah. Then there's Monster Hunters. So what I'm referring to here is GURPS have done this kind of high-powered 250-point character. Monster Hunters, a set of supplements, which is all about modern world going out monster hunting. Duh. Uh, it's cool. 
uh, very high powered. And alongside that on my list is Modern Action, which is doing the same thing. 80s action movie style stuff, done at 250 points, very high power, very high octane. Of course, the problem with those for me is the points level. I love the idea of the settings and the high action, but I also prefer much more mundane, down-to-earth character point values in GURPS, and I much prefer much more down-to-earth gaming. So playing those as written is probably less appealing to me, apart from if maybe I was doing some kind of convention game, which I suspect is never going to happen. Then I've got Crossworlds, Parallels. You know I love, or if you've been listening to me for any of time, you know that I love the idea of alternate universe, uh, Crossworlds, parallel universes, and love to play some in that. And then there's low fantasy generally. Um, I'm like Hobbs. I like my fantasy not high, but very low. And I would prefer magic to be there, but incredibly... um, incredibly subtle and hard to find and relatively rare and then there are some stuff that's sort of been buzzing around my head so I've always wanted to sort of develop a a setting which had divine powers that worked in a way that weren't magic and lo and behold there's a power supplement for GURPS called divine powers which when I started to look at it Looks like all I've been looking for for a long while, so I'd love to play around with worlds featuring those. There's also a weird power supplement that I want to take a look at, so that's on my on my radar. Um, some sort of I, I played superhero stuff at uh, and with the staff, and that's kind of triggered this kind of idea of maybe doing something with supers, but it would have to be a dark supers world for me. It would have to be very very dark. Um, Hyperborean fantasy is something I wrote down. I don't know quite what I mean. I mean, Conan-esque, um, again, low magic, I suppose. Um, hijinks with characters that are not, you know, superheroes. It's the opposite of what I just talked about with supers. And then I think the things that, the two ideas that perhaps most resonate for me at the moment is some sort of secret agents meeting the conspiracy and cyberpunk meeting the conspiracy. I always really liked Corporation as a role-playing game, the idea of taking sort of corporate cyberpunk and making it conspiratorial. Anyway, that's my list. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Probably nothing, but I've recorded it. Throw it onto my episode. Make of it what you will, guys. As I come to the end of GM's journal for this series in Season 4... I just wanted to thank everybody who's been listening to it. This uh, episodes get considerably fewer um, listens than my regular Saturday stuff, but some people seem to really love listening to me warbling on, uh, unscripted and very off the top of my head. And so you guys, thank you for listening. I'm not sure as I go into season five what I'm going to do with the journal. I uh, feel like I should go back to it being a little bit more ad hoc. But I would love to hear what you have to say about that. And um, I'd also love to hear why you're listening, what it is, because I I honestly don't understand. (laughs) Anyway, you guys, be well. I'm going to be taking a break from the journal and publishing that for a few weeks prior to season five. So I'll see you on the flip side.
That's it for another episode. Please let me know what you think and drop me an Anchor voice message to share your response. Either use the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm slash rpgrescue slash message. Come and join the conversation. In the meantime, all that's left to wish you is a fond farewell and all the best at your gaming table. My name is Che Webster and this has been a Roleplay Rescue Game Master's Journal episode. Game on. Game on.